Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express, in which we find our investigators in a rural French village. Uh, but first, let's get to introductions. So to my right, Hello, I'm Mike, and I'm playing James Robert Fraser, who is currently nursing a broken pride, broken ribs, broken hand. It's all very, very, very bad. Been quite a trip so far to France. Broken mind as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, to his right. Hi, I'm Rena, and I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I think I've just uh, given myself a hand in this uh, little competition. Oh, boy. And an arm. <laughs> At the end of the table. Hello, I'm Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and I'm feeling quite sad that I have crushed Mr. Fraser's hands. Or hand. And the other one's available. We'll get to it in a little bit. Uh, yeah, so, now, uh, now we see. Now we see where his, yeah. his mind's going. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen <laughs> your washing on the line. <laughs> to Simon's right. Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, and I think I have some photographs that I need to mail back to my Aunt Edith. You know, your Aunt Edith is probably very, very eager to see them. I'm sure she would love to hear from me, yes. Yeah, you bet. Wouldn't we all? And uh, last, but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney, who's currently quite tired after his little journey. It has been a long day of hard work, uh, excavation, and, uh, you know, properly placed quips by uh, Mr. Courtney. The train station, the platform in Poissy, is nearly empty at this hour. Uh, The last train out back to Paris is scheduled to arrive in a few moments. You can even hear through the countryside the churn of the iron machine as it gets closer and closer. Plessy has been an adventure to say the least. The family to did a little digging in their backyard was more than happy to see you go. Of course the Christian uh, Loren patriarch of the family did his best to make sure that your hand was at least in one piece before you left. Mr. Fraser, he uh, gives you a, a bit of medicine that he had there for the next day to tide you over, of course. Uh, and he wishes you all well, but uh, he does worry that with the lateness of the hour that you might miss the train if, if you don't go quickly. Oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll um, thank him and uh, kind of, uh, presumably my hand's in a, in a sling at the moment. Um being as it did take quite a considerable amount of damage, and I would imagine there's a, at least one or two broken bones there. Yeah, it certainly feels like it. It feels like a 
It feels like a horse jumped on it. But uh, but you know better. You know what caused it. And the, the throb in that left hand goes all the way up the arm and into your shoulder. And you're just doing your best to, to keep it together. I shall um, no doubt do a little self-medication tonight with a bottle of Glenmorangie. As the train arrives at the platform, you see that the meager staff, by comparison, get a few things out and get the train prepared to cycle back out and uh, to Paris. And they accept your tickets and put you into a coach on the train that's reasonable. Again, it's not as uh, well appointed, of course, as the Orient Express, but it does seem that you will have most of the car to yourselves. Maggie... When you get on the train, I suppose before you get on the train, we should sort something out. The, the the artifact that you picked out of the roses, that left arm piece, how are you carrying it? Um, I would imagine that Maggie isn't particularly careful with it. She's not uh, hiding it at all. She's just kind of has it either in in her hands or she might be like if she's messing with her notebook she might have it tucked under her arm okay I figured I'd ask um, yeah so you board the train there are a couple of people that give it a little bit of a strange look but you don't get much more than that nobody stops and aghast oh my god an arm none of that <laughs> none of that they might be aghast at its beauty they might, hmm. they might, but but no one here is so forward as to um, stop you and ask about it. Okay. One thing you do notice, Lady Elizabeth, as you're boarding the train, is that there's quite a bit of cloud cover overhead, and it seems that that cloud cover is beginning to arrive and tuck itself into some of the some of the window wells of the houses near here too there's something about this fog that disturbs you (sighs) I don't like this sooner we're out of here the better a couple more passengers get on near the front and after that the platform is empty the uh, conductor announces that the train will be underway shortly and within a minute or so, it begins to pull out of Boissy back towards Paris. Um, Michael, what time approximately is this again? I would say that this is evening, so let's say it's a roughly 7 p.m. at this point. You spent the better part of the afternoon and into the evening digging. Well, I, I dare say, young ladyship... <laughs> When we uh, arrive back in Paris, we'll need to make some arrangements for an evening meal. Uh, Mr. Fraser, the first thing we're doing when we get back to Paris is we're getting you to a hospital. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm fine. That's, it's just a scratch. You're not fine, Mr. Fraser. I appreciate the stiff upper lip and all that, but the sooner we get that looked at in a professional setting, the better. You don't want to be stuck in Paris after letting things get worse while we have to go on, now do you? Oh, well, uh, there's not much can be done for broken broken fingers. And We're broken going heart. to a hospital, Fraser. And that's that. Yes, your ladyship. 
as you say. Yes, I rather think so. Uh, we can worry about everything else later. Uh, the rest of you don't have to come, of course, but uh, that is definitely our first, first port of call, so to speak. And very deliberately not looking <laughs> at Mr. Griffith during this conversation. Okay. Still kind of miffed. Yes, Razor's kind of... He's managed to kind of get himself a, a seat in the... Presumably we're in a kind of a six-seater compartment or something like that. And he's managed to get himself a seat in, in the corner, if possible, and he's looking very... sort of... Uh, <laughs> looking like he's feeling very sorry for himself. <laughs> you find a place to prop yourself up to, to give your arm a bit of a rest, so that way the, the hand throbs a little less. Yeah, I dare say the... Um, the, the doctor has probably told me to keep it elevated and that kind of thing. Yes. It feels very unnatural for him and he's, you know, he's rather uncomfortable with the, with being incapacitated in this way. The train moves along back out of Poissy and back into the French countryside. If it weren't for the overcast skies You'd say it was a beautiful night for a train ride. But there's a dull gray here that's been cast like a blanket over the French fields. Some of the trailing snow still sits. What look like wounded branches and sparse trees. So that was a very... Interesting little detour. I would say that's one word for it. Well, not altogether unsuccessful, which is one thing, I suppose. Silver lining. Hmm. So, Mike, does the patterning on the arm that we recovered look like the patterning on the horse that the small child had? Uh, no. No, um, hmm. not not precisely. You would say that the the horses, the pattern on the horse that the small child had, is a bit somewhat similar. But the fascinating thing about the arm piece is that it does have these big, beautiful, artistic uh, accentuations. But then also within them, there's almost this fascinating miniaturization of that same sort of graphic, that same sort of artistic leaf and flower that has been used to make up the larger images. It's it's strange, but it's very fascinating to look at. Certainly very interesting. I do hope that uh, whatever bad luck was cursing those grounds, as it seems to be, has gone, but I do hope it hasn't attached itself to us. Well, any more than it already has. Glancing at Mr. Fraser's hand. Do you think that more misfortune will surround those who are nearest to the other pieces that we are looking for? Well, it depends, really. I'm not sure if this misfortune or bad luck or whatever you want to call it is attached to the statue or if it's attached to that sort of spirit fog sort of thing that we saw sort of 
malicious spirit or haint, as I believe Mr. Griffith here would call it. Or something similar, or if the fog is attached to the pieces. It's uh, not something I have enough data on to figure out. But it's entirely possible. Any thoughts, Professor? Um, yes. Uh, uh, would you mind if I took a look at it? Oh, of course. Richard takes the arm and gives it a good sort of once-over, um, looking for any sort of patterns. Maybe there might be some sort of, I don't know, mathematical model kind of thing, you know, like uh, maybe a fractal or something that's uh, that's drawn onto it or, or something like that. Or, or maybe... Yeah, maybe it's not weighted properly. Does it? Does it feel evenly weighted? He's just looking for anything odd, really. It's a bit mystifying, to be honest, Professor. This shouldn't weigh as little as it does. I mean, if the material is what you think it is, there's almost a metal hardness to it. But the piece itself can't weigh but half what it should. Uh, it's a fantastic mold of whatever it was made out of, just from the uh, the artistry, but it's definitely been created by some profound purpose, or at least a method, for that matter. Maggie, as Richard is examining the arm, she'll get out her camera and, and snap a little impromptu photo because it will probably look really good in the book that I'm going to write about our adventure. Okay. <laughs> oh, would you like me to hold that at a, a different angle? Oh, no, that's fine. Sometimes uh, candid photos that catch you in the, in the moment um, will are more likely to bring the reader in. Ah, um, so, sort of a real-life thing. Yes, exactly. Not all photos need to be posed. <laughs> well, indeed. Sometimes life can be uh, more interesting, I suppose. <laughs> James is kind of sitting, watching the two of you, looking at this arm and photographing it, and giggling a little bit, maybe. <laughs> and he's just kind of got a, a look of slight incredulity on his face and he just kind of shakes his head and looks down unbelievable hmm. well this does seem to be um, yes, uh, made of an odd material um, uh, what did you think of it Maggie well I, I I'm honestly not quite sure it does seem to be a, a strange object and something about it caused those flowers to grow underground, but then once we removed it, they wilted it away. Yes. So it seems to have some sort of way of interacting with living things. Um, yes. It's not natural. Whatever it is. We should just smash the damn thing. They're trying to put this, uh, what is it, simulacrum together? Well, they they can't put it together if uh, if it's missing an arm, can they? So I say we just smash it and put an end to it there and then. Well, 
what, 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 what is this? I mean, everything you don't understand. You seem to want to smash my device the professor gave me. The the the, the item that uh, that could lead to incalculable research. What are you? Are you? Are, we our whole purpose on this mission is to destroy the sim- simulacrum. Are you saying that you're wanting to deviate from that? Do you think you can put it together and use it somehow? No, not for the betterment of mankind, perhaps. Not at it's all. Misguided fools like you that 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 got the bloody war going. Oh, what, what, what nonsense! Um, no, we were we were told the only way to destroy the statue is. In its original oh, We home. were told, we were told. Have you tried putting a hammer to it? Well, maybe if we do that, we, we won't be able to, 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 to destroy it as, as the Professor intended. What? We, we, we destroy it and that means we're not able to destroy it. Have you heard yourself, man? You're talking gibberish. It's not gibberish. I mean, these things may may reform over time. I mean, you, you saw the flowers and uh, how do you explain that? Mr. Fraser, there's one thing to what the professor is saying. I think we have to assemble the whole thing. But, Professor, Mr. Fraser's right, too. Our point is to destroy this. We are not keeping this intact to see what great beneficence it can provide mankind. Because if it's inflicting pain on left arms of people in its vicinity, think of what the whole thing will do put together. It doesn't sound like a happy thing. That they were not my words. I didn't suggest that we we do anything with this. I was simply stating that uh, Mr. Fraser here wanted to destroy the device. This wonderful object. Wonderful. It's not a wonderful object. We are going to assemble this and we are going to destroy this and make sure it does not bother mankind again. And that ungodly contraption that attached itself to her ladyship's face is not wonderful either, no matter what you say. Your scientific explanations for everything, your, your, your research and your reasoning has blinded you. It's blinded you to the potential, the potential harm that these things can, can cause. Well, I, I... It's not all about working everything out. It's not all about trying things and seeing what happens. It's all, not all about experimentation. There's danger here, man. If you want. And you need to be aware of that and you need to t- take appropriate precautions and not just blunder about into things that you don't understand. But you, you cannot you cannot hide your head under in, in the sand and sweep these things under a rug. Aye, and you can't stick it over the parapet either in, in case it gets blown off. It is it is far better to understand something and, and then you know what you're doing with it, otherwise Yeah, can he understand a damn thing if you're dead, man? Well, gentlemen. I hardly think this is an appropriate time to be having this sort of discussion when obviously we are all exhausted, injured in some degree or other, and tensions are running a little bit high. I suggest we speak on other subjects for the moment until we are in a better shape to have a civil discussion like the gentlefolks that we are. Looking around at everybody in turn imperiously. It is highly unseemly to be squabbling in a train compartment where other people can hear us. Now, I'm not saying anyone is right, I'm not saying anyone is wrong, but we shouldn't be having this sort of discussion here, and not in this tone of voice. If you will kindly calm down, and we will discuss this further once we are in a better state of mind. 
and just sit straight backed in my seat. Razor just looks down and like a like a naughty schoolboy who's been reprimanded by the head teacher. Okay. Is anyone else doing anything before they return to Paris? Nope. Okay. Well, then the group returns to Paris a few hours later. It's dark. Uh, it's a bit chill uh, in Paris that evening, but you make your way from the station back to the hotel. Lady Elizabeth, is your intention to go to the hospital in this late hour? Uh, I don't know hospital customs of the 1920s. Like, is it, would they have some kind of, like, emergency facilities, or is it the kind of thing where you call and then go with, they send someone or you go in the morning? Like, how, how does it work exactly? I would imagine that uh, the hospital would be able to take uh, intake anyone at any hour for that matter. Mm -hmm. They would have staff there at uh, at any time mm -hmm. just because there will be patients uh, 24 hours a day. All right, so um, that is my intention. Then I would uh, ask at the front desk uh, the nearest decent hospital and then have them call a taxi for me and Mr. Fraser. Okay. You get taken to uh, the hospital, the two of you. Anybody else going along with? <laughs> That'll be a no then. But very well. Then the two of you uh, go off to the hospital. In fairly short order, the hospital is able to do a lot of the similar things that uh, Christian Loren did, which is investigate to see the exact damage of the hand tell you that they're terribly sorry that there's not a whole lot they can do for it but they do try to go in and, and see how bad the long-term damage of the hand will be and for, for the most part you get a, a fairly um, decent bill of uh, future health the doctor there says he's willing to go out and say that if, if you're steady with it for a little while that you look like you're a, a fairly fit gentleman and you should be able to recover as long as there's no excess labor done. Yeah, so I, I guess they're checking to see if there's any damage done. Uh, I mean, presumably they, they, they can take an x-ray of it. Um, is mm -hmm. that possible to see what, what, what bones are broken um, and if there's any damage to sort of the, the, you know, the tendons and the ligaments and that, that kind of thing? It doesn't look like there's any ligament or tendon damage uh, with the hit, but it does look like part of that second and third finger and then the second knuckle is what took most of the damage so they're they're concerned that you might not be able to make a full fist with that hand mm. uh, unless you're careful about it healing I will I uh, I dare say I'll, I'll have to avoid the, uh, the pugilism for the time being then eh <laughs> <laughs> yes yes uh, the doctors encourage you to uh, try to avoid any fist fights and um, and I Presumably they'll they'll strap it all up fairly fairly securely. They will. Uh, they'll actually make a medicine roll, even though the Lorenz did one. They're going to do one anyway, just because it's the way they would do things. Sure. Just don't fumble it, please. Don't fumble it. I love when I go to the doctor and they make a medicine. <laughs> right. Please don't fumble it. Make it worse. <laughs> they have not fumbled. 
So that's a huge bonus for you. Yeah, the wrap feels a little bit better. They give you a, a bottle of um, pills to take. They just say two a, two a day. That's it. Uh, one in, in the morning and one at night. Thank you. And then uh, they tell you if you need anything else to come back. <sighs> Lady Elizabeth, they settle you with an enormous bill, as is French Hospital Service. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, you get all of your papers in order from the hospital afterwards. I imagine I just sort of strode in there very imperiously, bossed people about to get him looked at first. Yeah, you do <laughs> until you meet the head orderly and she takes no shit. And she's like, I don't care who you are. You're going to sit there and wait. I'm not very good at that. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Fraser is very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> it probably takes you an hour or so to get cycled through at the hospital. And then by, oh, say 11... 11.30, you're probably walking back into the hotel. Uh, on the uh, on the taxi journey home, uh, Fraser probably hasn't really spoken that much because he's not in the best of moods and he's also in some considerable amount of pain still. But um, during the uh, the cab ride home, he's going to kind of broach the subject of uh, the situation that arose um, when they were trying to get that door open. Your leadership, mate... I don't really. I don't mean to speak ill of an, another member of our party, but I wonder what do we know of of Mister Griffith? What do we really know of him? He's travelling with us, and he's he's, he's appointed himself as uh, Professor Courtney's bodyguard. And the man seems seems to go where he's bid and do as he's told by Mister Griffith, and. I just, I get this feeling that he's he's used to giving orders, if you know what I mean. I know that, I know that he's here, he's with us, he's travelling with us, with a, an agenda of some kind, an agenda which he doesn't seem to want to speak about, and uh, I'm concerned that he's keeping things from us. The man's got, he's got contacts in, in London and contacts in Paris, powerful contacts as well. And, uh, and yet he claims just to be a, a, a poor, simple miner. Well, I mean, the man doesn't look like any miner I've ever met. Yes, I don't quite buy the poor, simple miner claim either. But I think we all have secrets, Mr. Fraser, and I'm not going to hold one man's secrets against him until they prove dangerous to me or other people. And I don't think they've proven that way yet. The professor obviously, Professor Smith obviously trusted him enough to send him along. And he has done a fairly decent job of keeping Professor Courtney out of trouble. So far. Did Professor Smith actually know him? This is what I'm wondering. I mean, he was with us at the, at the museum. He was with us at the dinner and but I, I, I don't know if Professor Smith actually knew the man at all, or whether he just came along with us and was invited along with us because he was with us. It seems that he's, he's it seems to me that he's deliberately put himself in the position of, of, of being an, uh, an important member of the party, and I, I don't quite understand why. Mr. Fraser. 
I know you don't believe in ghosts and paints, as Mr. Griffith would put it, and all that sort of thing, but with your Christian beliefs, do you have any concept of fate or, or destiny? Well, I'm, I suppose it's, it's a cliche, but I believe that the Lord works in mysterious ways. We can't always see the wood for the trees. Sometimes our paths are... Well, we all have free will. We all make our own decisions. That's the gift that was given us. But it's, it's not what happens to us, but it's how we, how we react to it, how we deal with it, how, mm. how, we, how we live our lives. And if we live our lives by, by the rule of law, by the, rule of, the rules that God laid down for us, then that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the, the most important thing. I mean, I can't, you know, we're all humble sinners at the end of the day. And well, as you put at the at the beginning, Mister Fraser, you believe that the Lord works in mysterious ways, and I believe in some sort of concept of fate or destiny, whether it's a a god or just some force in the universe. Whatever it is, it brought us all together. I none of us knew anyone except, of course, for the two of us, before that dinner. And we were brought together in that museum, and then we were brought together at that dinner, and something wanted us to go on this journey together, including Mr. Griffith. Now, I am understanding of your worries and skepticism. I admit I've shared some of them myself, and I'm not saying I trust him completely, but until he gives me a reason to doubt his sincerity or think that he is a danger to myself or, or to, to others in this mission, I have to believe that whatever brought us together did so for, well, for some sort of reason, whether it's God or fate or whatever. And I think that's where we need to approach things from for the moment, suspicion and... and Paranoia and and all that sort of thing isn't isn't going to help us very much at the moment. We're on a very dangerous path, and we need to be able to work together. I have to say, your ladyship, I understand what you're saying, but I don't entirely agree. I don't think we should just have blind faith. I mean, I know that maybe that sounds strange coming from me, but just to 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 blindly trust everything. We know, we know that, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't fully understand all, all the business with this simulacrum and, and, and with this, this, this contraption, which I, which Mr. Professor Courtney seems to, to lay so much trust and faith in. And, and I, I've seen it from the outside and I, I don't think he, he fully comprehends exactly how dangerous it can be. I think his, his kind of enthusiasm and his his, his uh, excitement and the possibilities are, I think they're blinding him to, to the danger and he's not playing it safe. If you have to play it safe, you have to be cautious and you have to be careful and wise. You know, you have to be intelligent in what you're doing. You can't just blunder about blindly hoping for the best because it'll get us killed. It'll get us killed. And I, I for one, couldn't live with myself if something happened to you because... Because we we all 
trusted everything without asking any questions. And... I'm not saying we shouldn't ask questions, Mr. Fraser. That's what I've been doing my entire life, is asking questions. Otherwise, I'd still be following Mother around to her little religious groups, no offense. Uh, quite a different group than yours. Uh, and not, uh, not doing anything else with my life. But we have to be careful in the kinds of questions we ask, and we can't allow the questioning to become everything. I think there is a line between caution and what you call fumbling about that we can walk and we should walk in and something like this where there are forces at work we don't understand. Even you have to admit, I think, Mr. Fraser, that uh, after what we've seen in, in the asylum and those, those strange flowers and everything of that sort, there's something we don't understand. And we can't understand it by being completely safe. Safe would be going home and never leaving again on this sort of quest. There's a line, and I'm trusting you to keep me on that line, Mr. Fraser. That's what you do. The taxi arrives at the hotel. <sighs> well, here we are, your ladyship. I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but um, I just... I, I just think we need to... Think before we act. Look before you leap. That's all I'm saying. That's why I have you. You have the eyes. Now, I am thinking tea. Do you think we have to see everyone else tonight, or can we do that in the morning? Well, I, I mean, it's getting a wee bit late, but we should probably have an evening meal, I would, I would say. Tea and a sandwich or something for me. Aye, aye, well, well, we'll we'll see what the others are, are about, and uh, aye, well, thank you very much, your ladyship, for for indulging me, and uh, and uh, again, I must apologise for my behaviour earlier on. It was it, it was completely uh, unacceptable losing losing my temper like that. Was, uh, I, I'm, the, the events of today have, have somewhat shaken me. I'm not afraid to to admit to that. Quite understandable. No apologies necessary. Just uh, keep away from Mr. Griffith and the sledgehammers. Aye, aye, indeed, your ladyship. Aye, yes. He doesn't uh, seem to have a, quite the quite the aim that he might have with that. The two of you enter the hotel, and for the most part, the hotel is is fairly quiet, uh, as uh, the the hour has gone fair quite late. Uh, but the cafe section which is open air and not too far off of the main lobby floor you can see that there is a slight table arrangement of food and one Simon Griffith sitting nearby at the table there Lady E Mr. Fraser would you care to join me Ah, Mr. Griffith Mr. Griffith I suppose so I wasn't expecting to find anyone awake at this hour I'll um I'll I'll just go and see if I can rustle us up uh, a wee sandwich or something. I'll, I'll I'll be with you presently. It's right here, sir. Oh, oh well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. I made sure they prepared it before uh, they closed down for the evening. You will find there is a a nice uh, pipe and hot tea kettle over there. Oh, thank you, thank you. Mr. Fraser, 
Let me know when you are you are comfortable. Well, I mean, man, I've got sore ribs. I've got sore hand. I think it'll be a wee while before I'm I'm comfortable again. I apologize for hitting your hand, sir. Ach, you don't need to apologize for that. That was that was an accident. Anybody could have made. Of course, Honestly. I need to apologize, sir. I rarely miss my target. I accept your apology in in the spirit that is given, and I thank you for it. Now, speaking to both of you, since the kids are upstairs. The kids. (laughs) Have they been put to bed with a a, a hot milk in their teddy bear? I can't talk around them. You honestly think either of them could keep a secret? Well, it's not for me to say, so. It is entirely for you to say. So, why I'm here. I have told a little bit to Mr. Fraser, but I think I need to speak to Lady E and give you at least a few things. Yes, we're all ears, Mr. Griffith. As I said on the train, we are here to destroy this item. Correct? Ah, you'll get no argument from me on that score. That's the plan. And I am a miner from Appalachia. So I was initially volunteered for a sap and entrench with an engineering corps, because the engineering corps were sent over slightly earlier. Aye. Ah, yes. Uh, yes, I understand. I. But my skills hunting in the mountains, I got drafted to also do scout work. And scout work is where I would be I would request Germans to uh, attend our information sessions. You don't need to beat around the bush where I'm concerned, Sarah. While my skills started off in mining, and it is true I'm a miner, I also have a certain set of skills involved in retrieving people or doing damage taught to me by the army. Aye. And, uh, you were, uh, you were sent over to England then, were you? You mean right now? Well, I, 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 I wonder, I mean, the war's been over for many years now, I just, are you, you still working for the, uh, the same people in some, some capacity? Uh, why, why would a miner from Appalachia be attending a, an exhibition at the, at the Royal Museum? Well, I did come back to England because I was suffering night terrors. And um, the more um, advanced night terrors, or at least the investigation into them, is occurring here in England. Because more of your boys are experiencing them than ours. I'm, 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 I had no idea. I'm very sorry. I'm, I really do apologize. Uh, yes, uh, some, of, some of our boys were... I very badly affected by their experiences out there. Well, I was here getting treatment. I was asked by governments to investigate what Dr. Smith was doing, which is how I ended up being there. I understand. Uh, I've perhaps, uh, I perhaps misjudged you, Mr. Griffith. I. It's entirely fine. I have not been saying this because... A lot of this has to stay 
quiet. We are crossing many countries' lines. I understand. But I think, from from my own part anyway, I think we are travelling together. We have already experienced some danger, and, and I think if we can't trust each other, then who can we trust? Why do you think I'm telling you this, sir? And, well, for my part, I, 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 it's just hard for me to say, but I, I personally feel that your, your lack of candour with us has led to a little mistrust on my part. Because it was clear to me, it was clear to me from, well, more than anything else from our experiences of the last few days, if you catch my drift, that, uh, I mean, you have... <sighs> to coin a phrase, friends in high places, very clearly. You're able to call upon assistance at very short notice. Um, and that just got me thinking that, well, there's there's more to you than meets the eye, as, uh, as the saying has it. There is. Obviously, that's why I'm telling you this. I'm not going to give you all the details. I can't. I mean, if Lady E wants to step in and say anything either, you should drink some more tea, sir. The situation boils down to the fact my parameters for all this is to make sure that whatever device this is does not make it into the hands of the fascists. Do you understand? Aye, yes. You you mentioned that before, and uh, I, I take you to your point, and clearly you're you're acting with the, with the, uh, with some authority behind you. And if you want to know where my authority comes from, sir, I was a sergeant major. Ah oh, well, <laughs> you outrank me then, that's for sure. So, when someone is injured or screaming or something, to calm them down or to focus them on the matter at hand, what does the sergeant major do? I, well. There's a difference between war and peacetime. There's a difference between the line of duty and the civilian life. And we're in the civilian life now. We are not soldiers anymore. Well, I'm not a soldier anymore. We may be in the civilian life, but sometimes you still need to focus. Aye, but if you take my point, sir, as I believe I mentioned at the time, here and now, you are not my superior officer. I never said I was. I take orders from one person alone in our company, and that is Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy. I will certainly take advice and guidance from yourself, but let me make this very, very clear. I do not dance to the click of your fingers. If you want me to do something, have the courtesy to ask me to do it. Because I certainly will not respond kindly to a command. Now, I hope you don't take that the wrong way, sir. But that is th the blunt and honest truth of the matter. I don't know you well, sir. I've known you a few days, no more. And you've shown yourself... Very capable, uh, very, uh, um, 
what's the right word now? Sorry. Uh, very, very level-headed for the most part in a in a dangerous situation. But uh, we are we're we're not we're not at war here. This is a different life. So please, please do 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 me the courtesy of speaking to me like uh, like a, a a man to a man, and not a, an, an commanding officer to a subordinate. Sir, I understand. I will disagree with you on the fact that we're not at war, because we are at war with these fascists. You may not know it yet, but we will be. Well, I. I folded up my uniform and put it away for the last time many years ago, sir. And uh, my line is is very different now. I have had commanding officers, and I have obeyed their orders, sir. Now, I am in the employ of the Lady Elizabeth, and I take orders from her. That's that's uh, I can say no more. I see, Lady. Do you have anything to say? Well, Mr. Griffith, I do appreciate you uh, being a little more forthright. It does help to know some of your more unique skills come from, I suppose. Just, I would appreciate a calmer tone in the future. I know you're used to ordering people around, but that's not how we do it here. That's my job, actually. Slight smile. And... I would prefer we not get into another shouting match or be at each other's throats again. We've got a long journey ahead of us. If everyone can just agree to be civil and speak to each other like civilized human beings outside of an outright war, I would appreciate it greatly. Now, more tea, please. Of course, your ladyship. Allow me. The rest of your dinner, or tea as it were, passes pretty calmly. For too long, though, it gets a little late. Just upstairs from the eatery, Maggie, you and Richard are examining this left arm and all of its intricacies. So I suppose if you're going to do a deep dive that evening while Lady Elizabeth and Mr. Fraser are at the hotel, or at the, while Lady Elizabeth and Mr. Fraser are at the hospital, you have a few hours to play. Richard, I, I thought you would be best for the job. I know that you've been figuring out that sexton of yours, and um, I thought that perhaps you could help me uh, learn a little bit more about the arm. There must be something locked away inside it. Uh, and you saw how it was able to grow plants underground. I just wonder where that power comes from. There must be some way for us to activate it of some sort. Um, yes, I've given it some thought, and uh, it's not something I'm immediately familiar with, I must confess. Um, the plants were were living, and, and then they died. This is going to sound a little bit unorthodox, but um, do you recall seeing any plants? I mean, maybe we could... Um, appropriate one from the hall, or, uh, or or downstairs if there's there's one there, and maybe we can experiment and see what uh, what effect it has on it. I was just thinking the same thing, actually. Do we know where there's a plant we can steal? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, there's several plants. So just to make sure you get the right picture of the, the bristle here. Mm-hmm. The rooms have windows that view the main street as you would arrive. Yeah. But they also have a pair of windows in back of each of these suite rooms that look down on an internal courtyard. And so there are trimmed hedges and properly sized bushes that would be available if you wanted to test the arm out on some of these bushes or hedges. You probably could. I'm not sure if we should test it in public. No, I was kind of thinking, uh, are there any pot plants in the corridors or something we could sort of nick and then take back to the room? Yeah, absolutely. Go nick a bunch of plants. If not, we could take a cutting. (laughs) (laughs) That's also an idea. Housekeeping comes in. (laughs) Richard's room is filled with dead potted plants. (laughs) (laughs) If we can get a potted plant, Maggie will go find one. Okay. And if not, then she will maybe take a cutting from the courtyard. You step out into the second floor area here where your suite room is, and you can see just down the way there, maybe 15, 20 feet, there's a, there's a potted plant there. Looks like you probably picked that up. Maggie will uh, head down and make sure, uh, look both ways, uh, listen to see if she hears anyone, and, and then snag the plant and walk hurriedly back to Richard's room. Okay. So you go into the hallway, you steal a plant, and go back to Richard's room. Perfect. Oh, Richard, I found this out in the uh, the hallway. I, I hope this will do. Ah, perfect. Um, well, let's take this arm and... Richard picks up the arm and awkwardly sort of... You can tell that he's wondering whether he could just sort of shove it next to the stem and... <laughs> Will it grow? It's exactly what Maggie's gonna do. <laughs> Quite sure what to do with this, but um Richard will just I don't know, hold it next to the stem. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, you hold it next to the plant there for a little while and move it about a little bit. Maybe in, up, out, down. Just trying to maybe dow is the best location for it. And then you feel a little silly. I already feel very silly. He's laughing. Watching Richard. There's a wave I hand around a plant. <laughs> well, it doesn't seem to do anything. It really doesn't, Richard. <laughs> um, perhaps there's something else that we have to do? I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps we should water it or something. (laughs) The armor of the plant. Yes. (laughs) I'm I'm at a loss. Um, What else was? Do you recall seeing anything else down there, or or just just the roses and the arm? Maybe we're missing something. Well, there was that strange mist, but I don't think that had to do with the roses or the arm. Well. Perhaps it did. I'm not. I'm not sure if it had to do with the power of the arm. Hmm. Um. Are there any words or anything on the arm? No. It's just uh, intricately designed. So there are, as as you've seen the picture of it now, there are this beautiful intricate design from the shoulder there all the way down through the wrist and under the fingers of these 
beautiful ornate flowers that are almost designs made of the flowers themselves. So there's every large flower, every large design here on the arm seems to be made of smaller and smaller pieces of itself. And staring at it, it's almost hypnotic when you get that close. Hmm. Maybe, maybe there's a pattern here. Richard will stare right into it and see if he can see anything. Okay. You stare. And stare. And not, not exactly a, a pattern per se, but uh, there is there's something to it. Uh, it's it's there's definitely a, a mesmerizing quality of it. What what do you make of this? If you look look at it in the light and and maybe close one eye, did, does the pattern seem to move? Uh, Maggie will follow Richard's instructions. <laughs> Richard will hold it for her. Okay. You hold it for her. And then you're going to look closely at it, Maggie? Yes. Okay. How close are you getting to it? Very close. And Maggie also might kind of run her hands over the arm, feeling for any inconsistencies or things like that. There doesn't seem to be so much inconsistencies as when you run your hand along... It, the tips of your the left hand especially, you almost pick up a vibrational feel that runs through the length of it from the base where it starts at the, the shoulder piece area down along and through the elbow uh, and up to the wrist. It's, it seems as if they've gotten every piece of this down to the, the veining just an accurate quality. The design itself runs as if you look at your own arm and you can see where there are just this faint outlines of, of veins and, and the design itself, even though it is made of patterns of the own, of its own design, these trace marks run directly along the same path. Richard, it's, it's not as if the pattern it is moving... Can you feel it? It feels as though almost the arm itself is vibrating. Ah. Um, I hadn't considered touch. Richard will follow Maggie's lead. You run your hand along it, Richard, and you get a completely different feeling from it. And while it is intricate and while it is really well done, you get an especially warm feeling through your fingertips. This arm has has gotten a little bit warm, warmer than it was when you touched it on the train. Hmm. Do you do you feel that? Would you would you say that this has got uh, warmer than it was, or is is that just um, just my perception? Do I feel the same sensation? You do. Actually, the sensation you get runs all the way up your own arm. Your left arm is burning. Especially at the elbow, it's, it feels like you've been playing tennis all oh, oh, that's quite strange. My arm, it, it almost hurts. Um, well, I wonder if this has something to do with what had happened to the, the people on the farm. I don't know. Um, you, you say that your arm is hurting. Yes. 
do you mind if I take a look? Oh, yes, it just it feels as if the heat itself is transferred from from uh, the from that arm to mine. Hmm. Richard, when you take her arm, it's warm. Like how if you start at the wrist, how far are you inspecting it? Um, depending on what Maggie's wearing sort of up until um, I don't know, just below the shoulder, just just above the elbow, say. I'm not sure what Maggie's wearing, but I'll imagine you have relative free access to her elbow. Yeah, I would. I would probably be wearing something short sleeve. Okay, so you get to about the elbow, and then maybe about an inch or so higher than that, and you can feel, Richard, that the tendons in the back of her elbow—they're on fire, like they've been worked really, really hard, as if she's worked her left arm into bit of a strain I think you should put that down you are rather hot oh, uh, uh, yes of course and I'll just kind of set the arm down somewhere <laughs> close by um, Richard will gingerly touch the arm to see whether that's reached the same sort of temperature as Maggie's tendons mm, no the arm is a bit cooler now the heat seems to have transferred into your arm. It's very strange. But yes, quite strange. And how does it feel? You said it hurt? Well, uh, yes, it was a, a burning pain. Hmm. It doesn't sound like anything uh, good, does it? No, it was almost as if I had overused my arm. Sort of e- exertion, yes, I, I, I see. Um, I, I have to confess, I've no idea, um, what it is or what it's doing. I mean, it did nothing to the plant. I felt a very strange sensation and, uh, your arm is positively burning. Yes, it it seems we haven't quite figured out how to harness whatever it is yet. No. Um, no, with you mentioned it, is the arm sort of hollow or solid? The ends appear shut. Hmm. You wouldn't be able to tell. Its weight is almost as if it is hollow. Hmm. Can we knock on it? You could if you'd like to. I would like to rap on it with one of my knuckles just to see if it sounds hollow. Okay. You rap on it a bit. Hmm. Hard to tell. Hmm. Hard to tell. It's not so hollow that you pick it up immediately. But if it is hollow, then you might have to maybe hit it with something harder. And is it articulated? So at the elbow, if you try and move it, does it move or is it just one solid? Uh, it is a solid piece. Yeah. Um, maybe we could put it in a bath or something. Maybe water would do something with it. Uh, yes, possibly. Also, I'm, I'm with how it made my arm feel. I'm slightly concerned about sleeping with it in the same room, so possibly in the bath is a good choice for that as well. Yes. Oh, should we give it a go? Uh, yes, and do you have something um, firmer that I could could hit it with? I just I, I tried to wrap on it, and I. I can't quite tell if it's hollow or solid yet, so possibly something a little bit harder. Um, 
oh, I know what I've got. And Richard will pull out a dice, or a pair of dice, rather, and, uh, and hand them to you. <laughs> a pair oh. of dice? Oh, yes. I was, I was hoping for something like a wrench, Richard, but uh, <laughs> this, this will do, I guess. Okay, so you're going you're gonna to hand her your dice, Richard? Yes. Mm. It's tough to see them out of your hands. You, what if you need to fidget with something? Well, it's the only tough thing he's got. You have these dice. Mm-hmm. What are they made of, Richard? Um, I'm going to say they're wooden, sort of a, a nice hardwood um, varnished. Yeah, there's a bit of weight to them, Maggie. They're definitely well made. Yeah, I, I should be able to wrap on this thing harder with these than I could with my knuckles. Probably. Yeah, so I'll, I will do that. Okay. Uh, you wrap on it, and when you strike this arm, I assume you're, you're probably looking at the forearm or the hand. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, a large a large area to, to hit. Mm-hmm. When you strike it, a lance of pain runs up your arm and into your shoulder and the dice go flying you feel like someone stabbed you in the forearm oh no 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 don't do that don't do that richard don't touch it what what, what happened what happened don't touch it oh uh, oh oh my gosh is is my arm is my arm okay and i'm kind of clutching uh my arm it it, it almost feels as something stabbed me oh was it the same place on your arm that you hit that arm? Yeah. You feel like someone stabbed you with a fork in your forearm. Yeah. It 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 just hurts. It might be the same place, but yes, it... Ah, right. Let me have a go. And Richard is going to scurry to uh, pick up the dice. And, mm-hmm. uh... It... Richard, no, I don't suggest that. Well, I mean... It, it's the only way we're going to discover how this works. Um, I, if oh, I, well, I don't say I did not want I'm, you. I'm going to just give a little gentle tap on the hand, and uh, and and in theory, I I should feel a gentle tap or maybe a little bit of a spike on mine. Okay. And that's exactly what he does. You gently tap it on the hand, and you don't feel anything. But to be fair. When she used the dice to hit the forearm, she she hit it a lot harder than that. You're going to have to hit it harder than that. Because I wrapped on it lightly with my knuckles. Hmm. Yes, nothing, nothing yet. And Richard will just dunk a little bit harder. Yeah, nothing. And a little bit harder. No, nothing yet. And he's just going to go, well, I say all out. I mean, he's not going to go mad. He's not particularly strong, but he's going to give it a good... A good whack. All right, Maggie, your hand explodes in pain. Nope, Richard. Oh. Okay, it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt you. I, I'm, I, I, I'm so terribly Richard, sorry. Richard, stop. I, it, it seems to have attached itself to you somehow. It's, uh, yes. There's a knock I, on the door. How, uh, are, you, are you all right in there? Is everything okay? Uh, yeah, yes, we're fine. Thank you. Um, a, a little accident. Yes, we're fine. <laughs> Take it easy on the bed. Yeah, but it's not not um. Uh... 
Maggie giggles, but also winces in pain. You're doing both. You're laughing and crying. Yes, it, yeah, it's one of those things. Laughter is the best medicine after all. Oh, Richard, uh, I think that destroying that thing is definitely out of the question now. Yes, I mean, I, I, I think we should leave it in here. I, um, I don't think you should sleep with it. I think you need to spend some time away from the arm. Maybe it'll somehow detach itself and uh, return to normal. I, I agree. Yes, I agree. We should definitely spend some time apart. Um, and I... Maybe sleep with it in the other room from you, Richard. Yes, I, 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 I'll put it, um, put it far away. Um, I think we should probably try that again in the morning if you can bear it. I mean, uh, we should assess whether it's a permanent effect or, or, or something that's just happened this evening. Well, uh, yes, we'll have to see in the morning if it, if it feels any better and, and also if it has, as you said, detached itself from me. Yes. I, and I, are you okay? I, I, it, it, it seemed to, I, I'm so, in, I'm so terribly sorry. Uh, Maggie goes from like clutching her arm to herself and she'll try to, try to move her elbow and, and clench and unclench her hand if she's able to. You work your arm a little bit at the elbow, just just easing it up and down. And it, it doesn't feel too terrible. And unclenching and clenching your hand is is a bit better after a few minutes. But wow, uh, no, this is not how you were expecting to spend the night. Uh, no, uh, not at all. Yeah, yes, I, I do think it uh, seems to be subsiding now. Oh, well, that's a relief at least. Wow, I... Yes, I, I I shall write to the professor, and um, I he certainly didn't mention anything like this. Uh, uh, no, but I I do believe his advice was best that we must as- assemble it first. I absolutely. I mean, I I wouldn't dare deviate from what uh, what he said. I, uh, yes. Um. Well, I Richard, I'm I I think I should turn in for the night. Yes, I, and you're you're okay, are you? Uh, yes, I think I'll I'll be fine. the The pain is subsiding, so I'll I'll be okay. But I, I think I better rest and also put some distance between myself and the arm. Well, do let me know if anything at all, um, a- anything untoward happens uh, any time of the night. You can you can uh, just knock on the door, and I I will uh, I will come straight away. Uh, yes, of course. Yes, and uh, maybe I don't know. Um, a, a, a nice warm bath, maybe to to relax it. Uh, uh, yes, I, I think that would be a good idea. Yes, yes, I think so too. Well, we can discuss this further in the morning. I think. Well, um, I yes, I once again apologise for that. I. Uh, I intended that for uh, for me, not you. But um, yes, I, I wish you a pleasant evening. Uh, yes, I, I I understand. It's not your fault, Richard. I thought the the same as you. But I will I will see you in the morning. Yes, um, for for breakfast then. Uh, yes. Good night, Richard. Yes. Good night. So, uh, Richard. Yeah. It's a, it's a letdown, of course, but um, there is some good scientific evidence that you can bring out of that. 
Um, rather remarkable, actually. So, uh, well, it harming Maggie is regrettable. There is now evidence that they are linked in some way. Hmm. So Richard will set the arm down and start making some notes. A little diagram as to, to where Maggie struck it, where he struck it, um, and just record the events of the day. Um, and he'll probably plop it in the bath. Hot water or war- or cold water? Just sort of, I don't know, normal sort of body temperature, there or thereabouts. Not too hot, not too cold. So... The evening for the the entire investigators uh, winds down. Maggie, you do get some sleep, uh, although you have a dream like you're drowning, you're, or you're underwater, or or something, and it it wakes you two or three times in the middle of the night. It's very uncomfortable, but by the morning you do see through to uh, a few hours of uh, reasonable sleep. And the morning brings all sorts of fresh things. The smell of fresh bread, and for some of you, fresh coffee, and a breakfast table with the five of you back together again, planning out either what happens next or planning out when you're going to make your train trip for the next stop. Well, I trust everyone had a pleasant evening. Um, yes, and yourself? Uh, yes, well, efficient hospitals are always nice. Yes. I had quite a uh, terrible night's sleep last night. Oh. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Miss Melanger. Oh, I must admit I didn't sleep terribly well myself. Oh, I'm sure. I, I kept having horrible dreams that I was drowning. Richard doesn't say anything, but there's kind of a look of horror on his face. Professor, are you uh, all right there? Tea go down the wrong way? Uh, yes, a little dizzy. Um, it's not been sleeping too well in the uh, in a bed that isn't mine. Maggie meant to ask Richard the night before um, if we were going to tell everyone else or not about our late night uh, experimentation, but uh. So she will kind of follow Richard's lead that if he's not saying anything about it, she's not going to say anything about it. Yeah, that's quite funny. Mm. I was going to say the same sort of thing. Yeah. Fraser will lean over slightly and say, I take it the uh, item is uh, somewhere secure, yes? Uh, Yes, yes it is. Good, good. And we haven't destroyed it, if that's what you're concerned about. I just uh, wanted to make sure it wasn't uh, lying out in the open anywhere or anything. Not that I thought it would be, of course. No, um, we are quite careful with these things. I'm sure you are, sir. So, are we going to progress on, or do we think we have other business to finish up in Paris? I don't know about you, but I'm quite ready to carry on. I think we have a couple of things that we still have to do here before we can move on. I uh, have to say, I, I tend to agree with um, Mr. Griffith. Uh, I think there are, there's a couple of things uh, that we've, we've seen in these these diaries and, and journals that uh, perhaps bear a, a 
little more looking into before we move on. Although, having said that, we do, do appear to have the thing we came for, so perhaps if time is of the essence, uh, we can't necessarily indulge ourselves in uh, additional pursuits while we're here. I, I hear you. I would encourage us to stick only to what's necessary for our mission. I have some sort of strange feeling at the creature, mist, ghost, haint, whatever it was we encountered in the asylum, Mr. Fraser, and then whatever it was last night. I, I don't want to hang around here any longer than we absolutely have to. The more I think about it, Your Ladyship, the, the more I'm, I'm convinced that it was uh, perhaps one of the uh, one of the, the inmates, the patients, whatever they cry them, who had managed to get out of their room and was running about the place and well, if I was uh, running a, an institution of the like of that, I wouldn't want it to be known that uh, I didn't have good control of, of those who were there. Yes, I've been to many asylums where the patients can just walk right through you. That's a common thing in asylums, or so I'm told. Lady E seems a little cranky this morning. Pardon me all. Why don't we discuss what we feel might be needed so first of all me personally I don't know what's going on over at the hospital over there we have this box that we've sorted through and you were assaulted over there Lady E and Mr. Fraser by something whether a person or thing which we don't know correct? Aye that's about the height of it yes so we found what we we supposedly came for. So let's just say our primary objective is completed, correct? Aye. And what we're looking for is any information regarding those pursuing us or background on this item. So we have this note from an Edgar Wellington who's searching for this thing. This Edgar Wellington, with an address, may be tied to some other organization also seeking this. It might be a good idea to find out if this is an enemy. One. Two. At the asylum. The Comte Count was interred at this asylum, correct? Yes, we believe so. Do we have the Comte's file? Is that still available from the asylum? Specifically, his file knowing when he died or not or what so. Because you're claiming he's a ghost. Well, the last time I checked, everyone from around the age of the revolution is dead. More or less. But what information do we have regarding this Comte and his stay? Can we get more information specifically on that that would be useful? Do we know which cell he was kept in? I mean... I wouldn't care about all this background information if you weren't claiming to possibly be assaulted by the Comte, whether alive or dead. Since he's assaulted, no, 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 Mr. Fraser, I since... I don't, I don't think that's very likely, is it? I mean, really. But you were assaulted, right? Aye, there was somebody there, but... Why don't we at least apply our logic to that, okay? We are trying to also keep track of those who are attempting to cause harm to us, correct? So they can be thwarted. I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I, 
I can't help but think if, if somebody was attempting to cause harm to us, that would be a very unusual way to, to go about it. And then just to, to disappear off like that doesn't, doesn't seem very logical to me. You know, they, would, they would surely continue their pursuit. No, I, I think it was just some, some lunatic that had, uh, had escaped their confines and, uh, and was running about the place loose and uh, causing trouble. Well, let's analyze it like this. He appeared in a fog. I'm assuming we can agree it's a he, is that correct? Yeah, it certainly seemed that way, I. Lady E? Yes, it appeared so. So, my view on it is, is we haven't exhausted this. However, I also understand members of our group wishing to call this done for now. I think 24 hours should be fair for everyone. What exactly did you have in mind during these 24 hours? Well, one or two people need to go investigate this Wellington. Simple enough. We've got an address. He's in, he's, he's in Switzerland, I believe. Correct. We have this address. Any information on this Wellington? Can we pull anything on him? And two, before we distance ourselves from Paris... Let's cross this asylum off our list, because I really don't want to have to return back here if we can help it. When you have to start backtracking, you have problems. I'm not intending to go back to the asylum. Thank you very much. And I don't think Mr. Fraser should either. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not terribly keen to. I'm, I'm not entirely sure I see that there's any any merit in it. Uh, I don't... I don't really know what exactly you're expecting to find there. Let me put it this way, gentlemen and Miss Bellinger. We have the schedule for the trains. There's one leaving tonight at around 11.30. I would like to be on that train. I'm fairly certain that uh, whatever you need doing can be done in that time. Yes, I believe that gives us adequate time to wrap up any personal loose ends that we have. It's not like your uh, investigations would take all night, Mr. Griffith, so should be done well enough in time. You would be normally using that time for sleeping anyway. We might as well sleep on the train. If it's, if it's all the same to, to you, um, your ladyship and Mr. Griffith, uh, I'll sit this one out. Uh, I'm, I think I need a, a little rest and recuperation uh, anymore. Strenuous activity, I don't think, would do the injuries that I've received uh, any good at all. Yes, I quite agree. Would you like to join uh, myself and Richard at the Louvre, then? Um, Mr. Fraser. Aye, aye, as, as long as there's not too much uh, uh, walking about and, uh, and the like to be done, you know, I feel that I, could, I should probably just sit, sit still and uh, just rest, if you know what I mean. Richard is attempting to look like he's not bothered by it at all. If you'd like my my company, then uh, I'd be more than happy to to uh, come along with you. I let me head to the asylum. Then, question: Do we already have this file on the comp? For clarity, for everyone's sake, the information that you have so far, as far as the comp itself in Sherrington, is simply a a man's diary who doesn't even mention Fenleek by name. He mentions something to the effect of a patient that was found boarded up inside a wall somewhere who he began to care for. 
and then this patient attacked uh, another orderly uh, somewhere down the line. And what year was this diary for that specific thing? It's in your investigative notes, but uh, if memory serves correctly, it was just last year. Journal of Dr. Delplace, yeah. Is that is that what you're yep. referring to? Yeah. So he's talking about Guimar, the, uh, the orderly, went to the cellar without authorization, had a painful wound to his right arm, and when he was discovered down there, he was raving about being attacked by a dead man, but there was somebody with him as well. And you two were in the cellar where you were attacked. We were in the cellars, I. Our hired psychoanalyst doctor from the asylum that you purchased is in servitude. Would it be possible for uh, Simon to speak to him? You'd have to go find him. All right, I'll endeavor to do that. And just to be clear, as far as Paul's uh, situation goes, <laughs> you, you purchased a debt, right? He's not a slave. I, I know this. We're joking. <laughs> I'm giving clarity for the for the listeners. Okay, so what I'd like to do then is I'd like to get an idea. Um, I want to encapsulate some things. Okay, so Maggie and Richard and Mr. Fraser go to the Louvre. And when they go to the Louvre, you spend some time walking about this fantastic museum, seeing many, many different things. Uh, Mr. Fraser, you find many comfortable benches to sit on. That's just going to say, yes, I'll be sitting on benches quite a lot. <laughs> While the two, you know, younger adventurous types walk about the museum and see all the wonderful things. Mr. Griffith, you pursue uh, a couple of different avenues, right? You try to get some information on anything you might be able to pick up on the comp, even going back to some of the places that you've been before, knowing that the clock is now running. So if you'd like to make a library use role, you can for any type of research. And I'll imagine that Richard and Maggie are probably reasonably open enough to give you Paul's address, which they got when he left the hospital. I roll an ought four on my library use. Awesome. You spend eight hours that day, roughly speaking, in deep research, uh, whether it be at the Bastille or whether it be at some of the national museums trying to poke and prod into anything you can find. And after eight hours of searching, you find nothing on him. So I've eliminated this. One, one, two things you in your mind can be true. One, there is no information to be found uh, on Fenelik that has not already been found. Right? Correct. Two, someone else has found the information on the Comte and they have removed it from circulation, so it is, in effect, impossible to find in the current circumstances. These are both things that would definitely be in my mind, or in Simon's mind. So if you are going to call on Paul, then I would say finding his address or getting his address from, from Maggie is not difficult. He lives in a very meager flat on the outskirts of Paris, almost in the same direction where you and Mr. Fraser were but not as deep out. And Paul would answer the door in a generally pleasant mood and say, oh, uh, uh, yes, uh, from, from uh, Charrington, yes. So what what can I do for you? Uh, there's a couple things. Uh, I was hoping you could help us out. And I do believe that Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy might want to have a word with you uh, about uh, hiring your services. My services? Um, is a... 
As a physician? Is she, is she taken ill? I'll get my coat. No, no as, as an attendant physician for the remainder of our journey, she does you know, appear to uh, sometimes uh, feel weak. And Mr. Fraser, of course, has his hand. If you could... Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but it got damaged in uh, an investigation. It was crushed. My crushed? Oh, my God. Uh, has he been to hospital? He has, and they said to go ahead and uh, be very careful with it, and so maybe you could oversee it, heal without damaging his uh, ligaments and all, his tendons. Um, well, um, sure, I, uh, I'd be happy to speak with her. Uh, she's done so much for me and for my future. I'd, I'd be happy to at least speak with her on the matter. Is she, um, uh, is she available t- today or maybe later this week? Uh, today would be actually preferable. I believe we were planning on leaving soon. So if you were to travel with us, this would be something that we could uh, hopefully settle up soon. I see. Um, uh, very well, then uh, uh, let me grab a couple of things and then you can take me to her. And, and while uh, I take you, I would like to speak to you about the other thing as well, if you don't mind. Hmm. Uh, sure, sure. He... Uh grabs his coat and shuts his flat door. Now, what, uh, what what did you need to speak with me about? Well, you're familiar with Charrington more than I am, sir. A bit, yeah. So, we were investigating this patient who had been there previously, this Comte de Fenelic, a German noble. Now, I could not find anything on this individual, and it doesn't appear to be anything left in the files. Mm. So, um, it's possible that they have disappeared or they just didn't keep very good files. But I have a feeling from what you will tell me, they do keep good files, correct? Oh, well, um, yes, I I think so. I think for the most part, uh, the hospital has a fairly decent filing system over the past uh, years it's been open, at least from what I have seen. They seem to be fairly well collected. I mean, I did enough sorting over the past few months. Even going back about a a hundred years, correct? Oh, several hundred years. Charrington's been in existence for several hundred years. It's in better shape now, even with the some of the bullies that help run it, but it's in better shape now than it was uh, during the rain, of course. Uh, it's quite a horrific place. Well, even with the rain, someone who was interred there during the rain, you would have a file after the rain, correct? <laughs> with with respect to the system, that they are not mine, but I would assume, yes. Uh, although the, the building has had several you know, environmental problems. Uh, they've had roof leaks and, uh, and uh, expansions and contractions. The building's been changed. It's not as um, immutable as some of the you know, buildings we see uh, in, say, uh, England that are built up and never changed. Uh, this Charrington's been expanded and changed. It's, uh, I think it may have even caught fire at one point. Fair enough. Well, you're supporting most of my concepts on this. My last question regarding this before uh, we finish and arrive back at the hotel is the incident with the gentleman who was found walled up last year? Um, uh, yes. Do you know whatever happened to that individual? 
I, I was only at the uh, I was only at the hospital about six months or so uh, into a s- several long year tenure. But 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 staff spoke of it. Yes. Uh, all I can tell you is that the orderly that was harmed was I think he was bitten. Bit. All right. And uh, whatever happened to the individual who bit him that was found? Any but anything? From what we knew, the doctor took him into a private wing, into into specialized care. Uh, but none of the staff ever interacted with him, as, as far as I knew. Um, I couldn't say after Dr. Duplass uh, left. I, I couldn't tell you what had happened to him. So after the doctor left, no clue about what happened to this gentleman in the way? No, and his private wing was shut down. The most bizarre, sir. You would think they'd keep better track of individuals, don't you? Uh, Yes, uh, I figured that with all of the change going on, it's likely they just moved the patient into general circulation. I mean, people come and go. Uh, Maybe not every day, but it isn't... I don't don't think it's as mysterious as you might make it out to be. Interesting. All right, sir. And then uh, we, we will continue on to the hotel. The two of you arrive at the hotel. Lady Elizabeth, you're um, taking a bit in of uh, fresh air. Heaven had some hours away from both Mr. Frazier and Maggie and and Richard. And uh, you've spent the morning in contemplation and perhaps a bit of reading. Silence. Blessed, blessed silence. <laughs> and you see... Uh, Coming through the Bristol doors, you see uh, Paul, and you also see Simon. Seems to have recovered Paul from uh, from somewhere in Paris. Ah, Paul, pleasure to see you this morning. Ah, my lady, thank you. He um, does a very strange uh, bow. You have no idea what he's doing. Uh, she tries very hard to keep from chuckling. Uh, no, that's not necessary. Please have a seat. Oh, uh, thank you. Are you well? He sets his doctor bag down. Uh, a little uh, tired today. I think perhaps I've overexerted. She's wearing a brace on her left wrist this morning. Yes, uh, other than that, it's all right, I suppose. Hmm. So uh, Mr. Griffith said you wanted to talk to me about something. Perhaps uh, there's some journey that, that you all are, are on. Well, yes. You see, we're taking a a rather long trip uh, around Europe uh, on the Orient Express. And, you know, I've had some health issues recently. And she taps her cane lightly on the ground. And uh, as you know, my attendant, Mr. Fraser, has recently damaged a few bones. Mm. So I was wondering if you're not... uh, busy with studies or, or the things at the at the moment, if you would uh, like a job. Oh, um, wow, that's, that's an extremely um, interesting offer. I mean, the Orient Express is, uh, oh, it's uh, legendary here. Uh, we've, I've seen it pull into to Paris on numerous occasions. Uh, how, how far are you planning on going? All the way to Istanbul, or is it Constantinople? Can't tell one these days. It's Constantinople, although <laughs> I've I've heard that they're trying to change the name of the city. Yes, but uh, that's none of our business. Mm, no, not at all. 
it's hopefully won't be super long, maybe a, a month or so, coming all the way back. Uh, but uh, if you're interested, you've did good work with uh, helping Mr. Fraser the other day, and you seem like a bright young man. And if you'd like to see the world a little bit and uh, get some experience in. Hmm. Yes, no, I, I think it could do, uh, it could do uh, my education well. Uh, of course, but before I re- return to continue my studies, but uh, but yes, no, I I'd love to go. Um, but when when did, were you thinking of leaving? Uh, well, tonight actually, the the eleven thirty train. Oh, she just sort of smiles. He seems a little um, taken <laughs> aback by the <laughs> promptness of it, but uh, he kind of straightens up and says, "Well, um, um, eleven thirty. Uh, I I admit I I don't have a ticket, um, so." Don't worry, we'll arrange that for you. Oh well, <laughs> this is very kind of you. Um, so let me let me go back to my apartment and I'll uh, I'll collect my things and then uh, meet you on the platform then eleven thirty. Yes, excellent. And uh, tomorrow, while we're on the train, we can have a, a chat about uh, some of my some of my needs. You'll need to know about that. But for now, just focus on a bit of adventure. I, I recommend being there at eleven. So be safe. He uh, picks up his doctor bag and nods at you, Simon, and gives you a pleasant smile, Lady Elizabeth, and then heads out the hotel doors. Oh, dear. I hope he doesn't get murdered before he gets to the train. And on that note, we will bring this episode to a close. So thank you for listening. We hope you are enjoying uh, this episode and all the Orient Express episodes as much as we are. And we will look forward to seeing you on the next recording. <laughs>